Growing your business is tough, but don't worry, we've got you covered. We interview industry experts on how they've solved their most challenging business problems in SaaS or e-commerce. No fluff, just step-by-step playbooks to help you dominate your market and crush the competition. This is the How We Solve podcast. Here's your host. Welcome to another episode of the How We Solve podcast. And today I have the pleasure of Alex Tuma joining me from SaaS Talk. He's the founder of SaaS Talk, which used to be my favorite SaaS conference, real world in-person conference, but due to the current circumstances, it's went away and I was really bummed. But Alex and his team actually figured out to create a really, really good online summit event. I was really blown away. You know, I thought like going to an online event, you don't really have the networking aspects and, you know, meeting new people part, which I really enjoy about conferences, but it was all there and was like actually really cool. So I'm excited to have Alex on the show today. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, David. You said SaaS used to be your favorite SaaS conference. So hopefully it certainly will will be, but uh, but yeah, understand obviously we've been, you said, running conferences in person, um, you know, predominantly in Dublin for, we, we ran four conferences in Dublin, uh, you know, consecutive years. Uh, and then we expanded that globally. But because of COVID, you know, we've not been able to, like uh, I think all the other you know, conference producers in the world to, to run those events in person. Uh, so last year we, we had to figure out a way to survive, but also uh, to kind of continue adding our, our value, you know, to our community. And we brought that event online and ran, you know, several conferences last year and sort of, you know, been finding our, our way in our feet. In, a, in an online conference world, which looks like, you know, 2021 uh, will be very much, you know, still uh, online, but hopefully we'll be back in Dublin in 2022, I'm, I'm sure of it. Yeah, f- fingers crossed. Also, what I really loved about your conference is the side events that you had, for example, SaaS Society, which, you know, was just amazing from the, the type of people that you met and the activities that you had. So I'm really looking forward to that you bring this back. But today we'll talk about the online part and how you managed to transfer offline events into an online event that actually is cool, provides value to attendees and to sponsors and etc. So I'm excited to, to talk about this. So the problem we're solving today is how to run a proper online conference, I guess, right? Cool. So let's jump right into it in terms of which tools and frameworks or services or consultants or books. I mean, probably there's not that many books about this topic yet or back then. How did you approach this thing? How do you pull this off? Yeah, it's a good question. And to the point like around books, I mean, I'm I'm somebody, well, I learn by doing, but also I, I learn a lot by by reading. Certainly, like learn how to be a leader and a CEO and a, and a manager by by reading, and that's been super helpful for me over the years to enable SaaS.Doc to I think sustain and grow. When it came to like pivoting the business, I had actually not not read huge amounts. You know, certainly heard stories at, at SaaS conferences. You know, companies like Segment when they you know pivoted three times or whatever. You know, at a very you know early stage. But this was a kind of the, our first pivot that we had to do because we couldn't do in-person conferences. And we looked at a, we had a list of things, ideas that we kind of looked at initially. What do we do to kind of generate revenue, to generate value to our, our audience? And what's the fastest time to revenue, fastest time to value? And online conferences seem to be the winner out of our, our seven, you know, uh, great ideas. So we kind of went with that. But there, there wasn't really many books around, I don't think any uh, specifically at that time. Virtual conferences, I'm talking about like March 2020, virtual conferences at that time and sort of in the preceding years, they'd existed, but they were more like webinars on steroids, right? And you, you had a couple of people on, on Zoom or whatever, you know, the technologies were talking and maybe some people in a, in a chat on the side. But that was kind of like pretty much what it was, right? And now we saw that there was, you know, there was technology out there 
there which you know kind of claim to replicate almost 100% of what you could do you know in person at a much lower cost and you know and from a from a business model perspective it was very interesting very attractive and uh, so I was very sort of curious by that we, we were just kind of keen, keen to explore it but nothing to kind of really you know read about so it was really just kind of learn by doing and also getting a bit of advice, you, you know, from, I think, like peers and uh, and also the people that were kind of running the technology kind of platforms uh, that we're using. So what are you using? What, what did you decide on? We decided on to use Hopin. We decided very quickly. So the team went through, like, or started a process to, to like, evaluate event tech platforms, right? I'd come across, so whilst they started that process and getting their spreadsheets sort of ready and listing out, like, here are all the, you know, the, the platforms that we sort of researched, et cetera, about six months prior to that, so, you know, pre-pandemic, et cetera, I I'd had a VC sort of reach out to me. He said, oh, Alex, like, you know, just kind of welcome your opinion, this, you know, new platform new technology, et cetera. What do you think, et cetera, you know, give us your feedback. I just kind of had a look at like, you know, what it did. And I was just like, well, look, you know, if it can do what it says it, you know, it can do, uh, I'm quite excited about it. And I think I'd like to kind of use it. And then I shared it like with the team back then, and this was in 2019. And then everyone's like, oh, cool, cool, cool. You know, but then we were like really busy and we, we came into 2020 and focused on in-person events. And so kind of forgotten about it a little bit. But then when it came like uh, time for us to actually choose an online tech platform uh, for events, it came straight back to my mind. I was like, what was that platform? Oh, it's called Hopin. Let's have a look at it. And then I kind of had another look at it. And I was like, guys, like appreciate that you want to go through this process and evaluate all these different platforms and like almost, you know, like an RFP sort of process. We don't have time to do that, right? We need to act. Let's go. We're using Hopin and that's it. And actually being that, I think, sort of like decisive and just kind of deciding on that platform really kind of helped us. Were we lucky in a way because it ended up that Hopin is now the, the, the leader in that market? We could, I could have been decisive and, and chosen a, a real dud, right? Because it, it was something, you know, we might have been stuck with it on a two-year contract or, or whatever. But luckily, you know, I was introduced to what is now the market-leading platform and Hopin, you know, I mean, it's grown to a 2.1 billion valuation in less than 18 months. I bought the the AppSumo deal of Hopin. I was like, yeah, what's this thing? Maybe, uh, yeah, whatever. I'll just 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 buy it. You know, <laughs> very happy I did because yeah, it's, yeah, it's incredible. I really love the tech, and I'm really sort of like you know behind it. Obviously, didn't know we didn't know how to operate it so much, but it was kind of again like some of it fairly intuitive. We the the founder Johnny Bufferhart at that time, as you would expect, was you know leading the sales. So you know he was our sales guy, and we had a long call with him with the team, like one or two calls, and that. Kind of really helps us kind of really understand like yeah you, you know is this the right kind of you know platform for us just kind of solidifying that and then uh yeah we went forward with it yeah no regrets to this day it's not the only piece of tech that, that we use like for our, like i guess kind of our online conference kind of tech stack it's almost like an all-in-one you don't really have to use anything else but actually they recommend so if, if you want to kind of take it up a notch right then we're bringing in, you know, some other elements because you can't be good at, at everything. Do you mind listing them? For the first event, which was SaaS.remote back in June of 2020, we had hop in, but then they recommended that we we work with a production company to kind of, you know, really give it that, you know, great look and feel of the SaaS.conferences conferences that we have in person. If you want to elevate it, you know, really kind of promote the brand and kind of let stand out. So we work with a production company called Catapult, who actually are in-person uh, conference production company uh, based out of Ireland. Catapult. 
Catapult.com or? Uh, I think it's catapult.ie. Yeah, so they had pivoted at the same time from doing in-person conference production. So now we're doing online and they were kind of figuring it out, but they'd also been very quick and built out studios and got all the kind of tech stack in place from their side. But what they did like for us is so we had we had the, the, the platform, which was Hopin, but you could also look at like it, that being the venue. So this is the venue that people come to. And then we had a main stage and then we had some sub stages in which were really what, what Hopin uh, sort of terms as sessions. And on the main stage, they suggested that you have this uh, element of production to make the video quality better. And you could bring in things like, you know, graphics and so on. By basically, you port in, we use Zoom. So we had all the speakers on Zoom. And then we ported them in to hop in through a feed. I think, I don't know if it's like RTMP or something like that feed. And yes, so the, the speakers weren't actually present in hop in and couldn't see the attendees, which was a bit of a drawback. And they're just on a Zoom call doing their presentation to no one, but actually there's 3,000 people watching them. So it's quite awkward for the speakers. And we got a lot of feedback from the speakers like, this is quite strange because we don't know, we can't get the reactions. Like, was it good? Was it not good? How did I do? You, you know, very kind of common question. But we did that. We used Zoom to kind of like port it initially. And, and then we used Hopping for networking, but it was just randomized networking. And, and Hopping were even calling it, what's that called? But they were saying chat roulette for business. But that did it. Everybody interacting with like what's wearing clothes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they said it was a bit like chat roulette for business. You, you met up with random people, which was kind of really nice initially and serendipitous. And that's what they were trying to sort of replicate. But you couldn't pre-book meetings, you know, with anybody. And it was like difficult to search, you, you know, for certain attendees and so on. So in some respects, it, it was a little bit limited from the engagement side of things. So that initial tech stack was kind of, it was just hop in, it was Zoom and we had a production company. And that's kind of how we ran the, the first event. That's now evolved. We've ended up being able to kind of produce the events uh, on our own. The look and feel is perhaps not as high as it was like Catapult and production company, but the cost is much lower uh, for us, right? So it's better for our gross profit uh, sort of margins as we generate less revenue online events than we do for in-person. And we use a tool called StreamYard to help us then with the production. So instead of using Zoom, we now use StreamYard, which subsequently Hopin has just recently purchased. Is it a Vidyard product or is it is it something different? No, no, it's, it's StreamYard. It's in, apparently they were doing 35 million ARR. I think they were required for around about 200 million, if, if I'm correct. And now that's as part of Hopin's you know, fantastic growth trajectory. Hopin has gone from being a 20 million ARR company to 55 million ARR company, you know, overnight by that acquisition. But StreamYard is this great technology which allows us to do all this production and, and then it plugs into Hopin and, and makes that experience sort of really nice. On the networking side, we use a, a platform called Conversation Starter. And basically, there's definitely pros and cons on that, but uh, everybody that used it loves it. It's an independent platform with no integration into Hopin. And effectively, the users go on to Conversation Starter then they can search, you, you know, there's better kind of filtering in terms of who they should meet. If you're a VC and you want to meet a seed stage company that is in, you know, artificial intelligence or whatever, then you, you can have these parameters and search for these companies and say, I'm looking to meet this and make these connections. So it's more of a matchmaking tool in that respect. Pre-book meetings, have video calls on conversation starter. We paid for that separately. It was a separate platform. What we saw was that we then had like, you know, 500 people of our 3,000 attendees in Tassavamia concurrently on Conversation Starter. Which makes a lot of sense. I'm, I used to go to a lot of conferences, like a lot. And I rarely watch the, sh the talks. I'd rather just like, you know, meet people, chat with people or talk with the speaker one-on-one -on -one later, you know, to kind of get, get the gist of things. So on these online conferences, I like to just stay in the networking part, not necessarily being forced to go to the, the, the actual talk, you know, which I think is... 
Exactly. And, and we see we see that like people come to the conferences for, for a different reason, but also networking is always very, very prevalent. What we did see, maybe after the fact, we were like, okay, well, we had like 500 people that almost never came onto the, the, the Hopin platform because they were just doing back-to-back meetings for those two days. And yeah, anyway, since then, Hopin have developed this kind of like pre-booking meeting facility within their platform. But still, it's it's not quite, I would say, sort of like perfect to, to our needs. So for SaaS.remote Remote coming up, what we've done is we split the uh, the content day separately to the networking day. So we're doing the 23rd, or sorry, 24th and 25th of February is the content sessions. So come and learn. And then 3rd and the 4th of March is just networking. And it's pure networking options where both using Conversation Starter and Hopin and people can come in and just connect with you know SaaS founders from across the world. I'll be there if you want to chat with me you know come I'm really looking forward to it another tool that i just came across yesterday is speakeasy.co which is kind of like the the one-on-one chat thingy where you can if you have an online event or even like a just a zoom event you can just like send people to this url to this room and then people can you know are being matched which is you know thought for completion's sake we recently for our sas membership uh, sort of program we did a foundry investor day last week and we used icebreaker for that and that was a really cool tool as well and, and uh, we got really good feedback uh, from that so that's quite fun we also used it uh, we tested it internally before we ran it for the founder investor day and we found it was a really good uh, fun way to connect the team sort of like remotely and we will probably sort of roll that out internally to do like icebreaker events within the team like once a month or maybe more we have our town halls we bring everybody together and then usually it was just a leadership team you know giving a presentation of like what's new and then we have some q a at the end but now we do we used to do zoom breakout sessions and kind of just like bring small groups of people together and then have have them chat which is cool but in the next iteration we'll we'll use this speakeasy.co thing to just you know do, do the one-on-one conversations for just like three minutes or so to kind of meet a bunch of people which is cool for culture in remote companies because so cool. So we have a bunch of cool tools that we've been using. It's, I think it's hopin.to. Then we talk about Speakeasy, about StreamYard and Conversation Starters. So check check out these tools. And I guess like the next big step in this, like how will this be priced and how do you provide value to the, the partners and the attendees? And how did you communicate this? You know, kind of how, how do you figure out to which price point you come and, you know, how to just like, I guess a big, big thing in terms of having conference, I assume is like you make a lot of money from the sponsors versus from the attendees, just like kind of like you're the facilitation platform to bring these people People together how yeah how did you communicate this and what this was the surprising model yeah good question right and back then certainly like back in in march there was just so little information you know to kind of go on from a pricing perspective from a delegates but also partners as well whilst i was kind of joining peer groups some of that information wasn't quite being you know being shared you know at, at that point and i was you know often you look to the market as well when you're pricing and you know at how are whether they're competitors or not you know kind of like pricing their solutions but again there was kind of nothing there because we're like everybody just reacted really quickly to say okay we need to launch you know uh, an event and, and there wasn't really kind of anything to, to benchmark it against and i was looking at like web summit had you know announced because they run collision as well which is their north american event collision announced their event before sastock announced that we were doing an online event but we scheduled our online event just slightly before theirs and i was kind of i kept looking and looking for their pricing but there was no pricing available both from partnerships and and, and on their website so I, i was a little bit blind in one sense but what i did again you know, I was having some conversations with, with Johnny from Hopin and because obviously he's got visibility on his customers and, you know, what they're charging. And that helped me get to a kind of price point. He was going to like perhaps like pushing me a little bit to, to price kind of higher than, you know, originally we were kind of thinking. But in, in the end, we agreed, I think, you know, on a, on a price of around 
299 euros and then up to like 499 euros for a ticket for SaaS.remote. remote. You know, I was speaking to, again, some other people that had been running virtual events, you know, for a long time. And they did not believe that we would be able to get people to pay for an online conference because people are just used to free and you're competing against free. And so I remember seeing those emails and maybe at that time I was a little bit over, well, either overconfident or, you know, you've got that founder's kind of pride and saying, well, like, you know, I know how much my product is worth. You know, I know how much value we're bringing. And I just kind of thought about it. Like we had, like, we had 26 people in the company at the time, out of necessity, all working on one thing, which is SaaS.remote, right? We're making it a successful event and working on it for three month periods. And I was like, well, I'm not giving that away for free, right? And I can't because we're for profit. Uh, so that's one thing. But that's not the only revenue stream. So we were kind of determined that people would pay to attend. I think it's also a really important thing to just charge for it. Also for the other attendees, because like if, you, if something's free, you often get a lower quality of attendees. Even happy to go to conferences like actually way more expensive, you know, because then it kind of it's, it's a natural filter, you know, so you actually meet more high high quality people. You know, so, sounds wrong, but that's you know just yeah, from a business point of view, you know, that's exactly, and that's something that we've seen. It's a really good point. So we we are still competing against screen, right? So whilst we may have lowered our prices a little bit for online, most of our well our competition it's free to attend their events. And in most of the market, it's still kind of free. They see what they're looking for is volume rather than quality. And 20,000 people are attending their event or 50,000 people are attending their event. What they get is 20,000 or 50,000 registering, but maybe 2,000 might attend. Of that 2,000, it's not a great quality. You know what would push me to pay more for a ticket is if you can network with people who paid for the higher tier separately. It's a good idea. I'm taking that down as, as a note. So it could be possible. On the pr ticket pricing side, I've got a little bit of help from the, the, the founder of Hopin, which was helpful. We kind of came up with a price. We had no data, like historical data, kind of back on no market data to cross-check it with. So we just kind of went with our price and what we felt was a fair value. And I think ultimately it was a third cheaper than our in-person uh, pricing, you know, from, from when we look at it. On the partner side, again, difficult. We couldn't really kind of see anything. But what I was looking at when I was doing the pricing was like, okay, so, you know, to come to Sastock in Dublin, you know, when we had 3,000 attendees, you know, the price was, let's say... 30k for a gold package, right? For Sastock in Dublin for 3,000 attendees and people like work out, you know, what is their kind of cost per lead and, you know, the ROI, et cetera. And also, you have to kind of, you have to get your staff there. Exactly. So the, the, get your staff there, hotels and blah. So it's not going to be 30, it's going to be 50 at least, you know. There's 30 for the sponsorship, then they've got the booth and then they've got to get the staff there. So it's quite an expensive uh, cost all in. And then I was thinking, well, look, we're going to give, we're, we're promising, you know, the same amount of attendees. We're promising the kind of the same amount of leads. And then from a cost perspective, it's like, well, like, okay, I get it. Like, it's costing us less. So we will pass on the fact that it costs us less to the customer. But like, we shouldn't go too low uh, because again, we're kind of delivering like the same amount of, we thought certainly, you know, same amount of quality, same amount of leads, same end result. And so we came up with a pricing. Ultimately, we, we landed on 50% lower than our in-person events, right? And when we went out to the market, like initially, and like went out to our regular customers, the ones that always sign up with us first, a couple of them fell off their chairs and like, you know, because they just didn't, they didn't know virtual. And they were like, you're going to, charge 15k for a gold package at sas.remote remote like i would have priced it at two grand or something like that you, you know and it's like but it's like where is he getting that information from or that you know that particular customer so so there was a bit of you know initially that that sort of like challenge but 
and also we're in a pandemic and all the marketing budgets were frozen, right? So we're like, okay, we need to sell this event. We need to get sponsorships, but marketing budgets are pretty much frozen globally. And that was a challenge for the sales team. You, you know, I think there, there was a little bit of doubt at the time, like in these circumstances, can we sell this? You know, are people buying? Like somehow we found a way. And actually what we found was that our existing customers were slower to sign up with us. And what we got, and we got new adopters and new customers in, and we got a load of new logos that we never, you know, we'd never had before. Zoom Info, Survey Monkey, you know, Front, you know, some examples, right? So Mercato. And, uh, you know, now they've turned into, you know, really good customers of ours. And uh, our existing ones were, were very kind of reluctant. And even some of our, our very good longstanding partners are still yet to come back and do a virtual event with us. And I don't know if they're waiting for in-person to come back, but they'll be waiting for some time. Maybe we could like, highlight some some case studies or some wins that these People who attended uh, or sponsored the online events, kind of like, you know, if you can highlight some case studies, maybe just convince us. Absolutely. So one example, from a meeting perspective, we have, we have one partner at SaaS.remote, Remote, which is user.com, and they, uh, they came with four people. I think they were like a startup sponsor at the time. We've actually stopped doing startup sponsorship, which I'll, I'll come back to. But they came and then they decided, look, hey, like instead of like, hanging around in our virtual booth, where which wasn't getting huge amounts of traffic because they were one of like 70 sponsors and, you know, they were down at the bottom of the, you know, the, the landing page where, where the virtual booths are. You know, they went out and they leveraged, you know, the random uh, meeting tool, networking tool and other kind of like one-to-one sort of meeting tools. And they ended up with 196 meetings in two days, right? And they were like super happy, right? That was a you know very kind of extreme case, but they kind of they worked it like really well. So that that was one. You get out what you put in. Exactly. Especially with conferences, you get out what you put in. You know, if you hustle, if you do your homework, you line up meetings in advance, then you go home with results. Otherwise, if you just like float around like a leaf, then you'll not get anything. 100%. And then what we were seeing then, and also is, was that a lot of our, the way that we were generating leads, like people are not walking past booths and scanning leads, uh, you know, scanning your lanyards, right? That doesn't happen uh, virtually. You have to go to the booth. You, you have to then enter and then you have to leave your details. And so you have to be quite... I guess, deliberate about doing that and wanting to do that and wanting to give your details to somebody. And we saw that behavior, you know, didn't necessarily sort of translate as well online. But what we're sort of able to do is that obviously people like opt in from a GDPR perspective to, you know, receive communications from, from partners and they consent yes or no. And what we get from Hopin is data, more data than we would get in person in that, you know, who attended the workshop that you were running, Mr. Partner? Who who visited your talk? You know, who swung by your booth? You know, who kind of interacted kind of here and there? And then each day we're able to kind of pull that data to the point where, you know, on average, we're probably generating around about sort of 300 or so MQLs, you, you know, for our gold and above partners, of, of which, you know, they were paying a lot less for or 50% less for than the same amount of leads that they would be getting Without the travel budget, you know, so like probably even way less, right? Exactly. So those partners that invested in that then started to see, well, actually, we're getting leads at a lower cost from our, than, than our in-person events. I want to put a bit of a caveat in there. Obviously, we, we do charge, uh, you have to pay to attend a SaaS conference and the quality is good. But when you go online, the quality, the, the bar has been lowered a little bit. So the MQL quality from an online conference is not as high as the MQL policy at a Sastock in Dublin conference because the people who come to Dublin, they paid a thousand pounds, plus they're going to be out of the office 
you know, thousand pounds for the ticket, out of the office for a week, three thousand probably for their costs for the week or whatever it is, you know. And and they, you, you know, maybe they they've got more intent or maybe they're more established as a company. And and here we're getting a you know a lot of earlier stage, you know, people that perhaps couldn't come to Dublin and you know afford that time out of the office at the cost that can now pay fifty nine dollars, you know, to come to a, a SASCOP event. But we're still generating generating a lot of leads, and um, you know, our partners like it, and the, the contracts are are growing. And yes, I'm pretty pleased with the success that we found in the first year of doing that. Very cool. One thought, I don't know if you've been doing this already. The exhibitors, if you give them a way that they can give out like, um, I don't know, freebies or deals or something like this, so people can kind of collect those. This maybe also would be an interesting way to to get opt-ins into what you're doing, kind of like vir- the virtual swag idea, you know, or like virtual, like kind of like only conference, only deal. Like if you sign up now, you get blah, you know. We had something similar, not at all events, but certainly recollect that like SAS or APAC, for instance, you, you know, our partners had these kind of offers and whether it was like, you know, a hundred dollar Uber voucher, you know, at one booth and, you, you know, if you visit and leave your email, you know, they'll give that voucher. And- or like to 20% off for the service for a year or like whatever, you know, kind of like something. We've got another one like with G2. So they're partnering with us for SaaS.remote. Remote. And I think for for every everybody that's kind of leaves their email with G2, they're going to donate $25 to a joint uh, a charity of our kind of joint choosing, which is quite nice. So like I'd do that. Very cool. Awesome. Thank you very much for walking us through this. Any other resources or things you want to, to recommend to the audience for anybody who wants to like start their, their online conference? I have to say, like, whilst we've pretty much kind of learned by doing and we figured out our way and and like one of the things that we did after each event was like we did a retro to, uh, and effectively we with the whole team do the round robin, what worked, what didn't work. And after we did so many events that, you know, the lists got smaller towards the, the end of the year, right? So we started to, put, you know, let's say perfect and improve our, you know, keep improving our NPS, you know, throughout the event. So that's kind of one thing that we did that really uh, sort of like helped us and so not repeating uh, mistakes. But additionally, maybe as a resource, like I joined this WhatsApp group, which is called like Virtual Event Pioneers, and I joined it by introduction. And basically, you had all these, you know, conference organizers. I think majority of, majority of them are in Europe and the UK that have probably never spoken to each other before. But in a time of crisis, like, you, you know, there was a WhatsApp group where kind of everybody came and was figuring out, you know, what do we do? What platforms do we use? What pricing, you know, and sharing best practices, right? Community. And, and that, that was great. So that was really, really kind of helpful for us. I think that's, that's a super cool thing with UpCoach, one of our businesses. We started doing like a town hall. I got this from Clubhouse. They do these open town halls where customers can, can join. And then they share like kind of what's new, you know, what, what we've built, but then also integrate engaging with the customers. And so I think this was something that Hopin could do, should do, you know, would be nice if they do to kind of like, you know, built this peer group where people can help each other and, and exchange, you know, it's like similar to like the masterminds, you know, like SAS talk remote, SAS society, you know, like we just come together and you just share what works and what doesn't work. Good idea. I mean, they've got next week, Hopin are doing their first ever kind of user conference, right? Which we'll be attending. But in terms of maybe, you know, connecting customers and having these kind of peer groups, that would that would be quite useful. And obviously, I think, you know, it's something that we know the value of. Let's say that's what you're doing with UpCoach and it's what we do, you know, with SASDOC and our membership program as well. So, so yeah, definitely see the value. But for me, it's funny, like having five years now, I guess, kind of run SASDOC uh, where, you know, I'm helping startup founders, you know, connect with each other and network and learn from each other and, you 
you know, help facilitating this kind of like, you know, peer learning. I didn't really have any peer learning for like, you know, three or four years and until perhaps maybe 2020. Uh, now I see the value of it for myself. Awesome. Very cool. Well, Alex, thank you very much for coming on and sharing. How can people find you? And, you know, before we forget, Stastock Remote is coming up. It's on the on February 23rd. Yeah, it's February 23rd to the 25th is when we're running the, the content for SaaS Remote. So it's a, it's a virtual online conference, SaaS families across the globe. It's uh, on the 23rd, we're running uh, sort of deep dive workshops. And then 24th, we're doing kind of like case study type uh, content. And then 25th, real tactical kind of keynotes to help you, uh, you know, win and grow and scale your SaaS business in, in 2021. Then the, we're following week. We're doing third and the fourth, two networking days where you can come in and use tools like Conversation Starter and, uh, and hop in to meet with the delegates and you know, do your, your business lead generation or deal flow you, you know, for, for the year, that one event. So that's coming up. Anybody that's listening to, to the podcast that wants to attend, uh, you can use code uh, HWS20 to get a 20% discount on tickets, which are reasonably priced at $59 currently, although there's a price increase uh, coming this week. And yeah, find me on Twitter or LinkedIn, probably best at Alex Fuma, that's T-H-E-U-M-A, LinkedIn, I think similar. And yeah, or go to sasslock.com to kind of find out more. Awesome, rock and roll. Again, Alex, thanks. thank you for, for joining and, and sharing all this cool information. And I see you at Sasslock Remote. Definitely, thanks David, see you there. Thank you, man. Is your sales team spending too much time researching leads and accounts? We take over all the labor-intensive sales development tasks so your team can focus on building relationships and closing more deals. We don't just build lists. We take a strategic research-based approach to find your team qualified leads every day. Ready to start? Schedule your free consultation at taskdrive.com. That's T-A-S-K-D-R-I-V-E dot com. Thanks for listening to the How We Solve podcast. Dominate your market and crush the competition with our step-by-step playbooks. Subscribe right now in your favorite podcast player or visit howwesolve.com.